Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have you here on this podcast. I am so excited because we have an amazing interview today. Um, it is with a friend and a colleague coach, Vicki Louise, and she runs the Fuck Your Anxiety podcast, and she runs this fabulous program called Time Hackers. And I'm not going to do a whole lot of introductions. Vicki, you introduce yourself. Tell us all about yourself. Tell us all the things. So, yeah. Well, firstly, thanks so much for having me. Um, I like to introduce myself really simply saying I call myself a reformed hustler, like a doer of all the things, um, turned time hacker. And my background was really... Um, like economics and then corporate world and you know all of these like qualifications and certifications and doing and doing and um that's what led to the anxiety <laughs> and um as I solved for that and stepped out of the hustle I found myself actually able to achieve more and what I started noticing which is what we'll speak about today is like these rules of time um, that we have put on us of like what, how long things should take or shouldn't take. And really as a society, the excuse, the time excuse. And so that's really been my journey of just like playing with time, um, hence the, the term time hacking. Um, so yeah, I am like calling in from France. This is like my third country in the last two years. I think it's another form of hacking and just a fun thing to know. Very well, yeah. No, I mean, I've I've lived I've lived in a lot of different places too, and I um I miss living overseas. <laughs> but I suppose during coronavirus, I guess I was happy to be here. Yes. <laughs> so, why don't you explain the concept of uh, time hacking? Yes. So, most simply, it's the idea of removing time from the success equation, or removing time even from like our conversation full stop. So for everyone listening, I want you to think about how often you are saying things like, I need more time or it's not the right time. And I want you to pause and think like, is it time? Is it time that you need more of? Because if we look at the world in the last 100 years, yes, but even in the last 20 years, radically so, like thinking about what we have access to and what we can do, even in terms of just like information, like this podcast, um, how many people we can reach, um, automation for like you guys listening, all of these things that have actually removed this time barrier and we're still using this old time language. So time hacking and any hacking, like the definition of hacking is to achieve things in non-standardized ways and time hacking is really the idea of getting shit done without all these I call them outdated time practices um, that can end up taking more time than just doing the thing to begin with so that could be in terms of like putting something in your calendar that you know you're not going to do and then you spend time shuffling things around later or forgetting it or whatever it might be like Everyone listening, I would ask yourself, how much time do you spend thinking about not having enough time or time that you've wasted in the past? And how much time do you spend putting things in calendars that you won't follow through and then changing and going back and forth on emails with the same person to try and make a plan to then cancel that plan to then change that plan? Like, what if time itself and how we treat it, which is complete man-made concept, right? What if that is the biggest time waster? Fascinating. So then how does this 
work, like most, I mean, everybody, I think, listening to this, I don't think I have too many stay-at-home parents who listen to my podcast, <laughs> but even them, um, what is, you know, I've talked a lot about calendaring, and is there a difference? So, like, when I talk about calendaring, it's basically decide what you're going to do, put it on your calendar, go do it, and then do an after-action report, which is, like, kind of the, the, the last three steps of the six-step process that I have my clients follow. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference between calendaring and tie-hacking? Well, so, and I call this, like, at, at the basic level, the first skill that we all want to learn is to follow through on doing things that we say we are going to do when we say we are going to do them. But I think attachment to, like, the calendar is going to make me do this is where we fall short. Like, oh, I'm going to like figure out the perfect plan and make it happen. Instead of like, I'm going to take the responsibility. The calendar is there for me to support me, but it's not going to make me do anything because it literally won't. And what happens um, when we start to ignore our calendar is it starts to lose its value. And that's one of the things that me and you briefly spoke about before we press record, which is like the true cost. The true cost of not following that thing in your calendar is not doing that later. It's the trust that you are breaking with yourself. And it makes it easier the next time to not do what's in your calendar and easier the time after that until you're not really trusting yourself. And then you're still using this calendar. It's like another example could be the person that like wants to lose weight and follow a diet plan, but they like you know, they create like a really um, tight, over-the-top plan, which is like unsustainable, which is what a lot of people are doing with their calendars when they're like, I'm going to get 20 things done today. It's like not going to happen. And then the true cost of that is not just going to be the 20 things getting done. It's going to be destroying that relationship with yourself, that you are a person that follows through, that you trust yourself to get shit done, that you do what you say you will do when you say you will do it. That is, I think you just blew my mind, Vicky, because I think it's like, hang on, let me step back here for a moment, because I, you know, you just gave me a whole lot of insight to one of the things that stops my clients, you know, because as we go through a production day, you know, I have clients who can measure the amount of paperwork that comes across their desk that they have to look at in centimeters, Mm-hmm. Not even in pieces of paper. It's in centimeters every damn day, yeah? right? And what happens is, is that like they get the paper and then they have it. And I tell them block off time on your calendar. And then they either then, you know, emergencies happen. Not as many as everybody would like to give me an excuse for, but <laughs> emergencies definitely happen. Um, and and then they just get, they get, they, they, it just slips. But then in their perfection thinking, what they do, much like a dieter, is they have to like, they try and plan more to get more done, right? I think that's what you're saying. And then the true cost is the emotional energy of, not getting done what you said you would get done, the emotional energy of beating the tar out of yourself, saying, no, I'm going to do more, I'm going to do more, I'm going to do more. And then who knows if you're actually going to 
-hmm. go do more. So that's actually like a triple hit. And then if you layer on top of that, when you're working with a team, then you're, then you're not showing up to your team. You're saying your time isn't valuable. My time isn't valuable. And you're wondering why nobody's making any profit. Right. Exactly. Oh my God, that blows my mind. <laughs> I, that is, I mean, that is completely stunning. And so when people find out that that's what they're doing to themselves, like, are there common thoughts people think, or did we just say them all? <laughs> yeah, it really comes, there's two big themes and it's like the not enough and more is better. So the not enough is when we start from like insufficiency and lack and like exactly what we just spoke about, believing already that like, we're not enough, there's not enough time, we, we're not smart enough, any of those things and making decisions from that place. And the other is the more is better, which I call like an outdated mentality because it used to be that doing more was a way to move ahead of the pack. It was a way to differentiate yourself. And now doing more in a world where like, it's kind of like we have access to more information, more channels, more inboxes, like you can do more, you can be busy all the time. Doing more is no longer a differentiator, but doing what moves the needle, doing what's important and focusing on that, that's how you differentiate yourself. And especially like, I saw this study, it said creativity is the most important um, skill in CEOs. And what they're really speaking about there is creating space. Like for anyone listening, it's easy to fill your days with the to-dos. Are you creating space to consciously think about what's going to move you forward, to consciously think about what's going to differentiate you, to consciously think about like what's unique about your business or, you know, like really creating that space. I think you called it CEO time. Right. Mm. Like that's a time investment that pays dividends more so than maybe checking an inbox 17 times a day. So this is super interesting. There is a, I don't know how much physics you have in your background, but we do, we, we science around here, right? And um, there's a very simple equation in physics and it's the work equation. Mm. Work equals force times distance. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about like plain old Newtonian physics, right? You have a mass and in order to apply work to it, you have to move it a distance. Mm -hmm. But if we think about it with like your inbox example, how much distance, like how much, how, like how much difference or distance, cause you do, you see, you measured what's called the Delta, right? Mm -hmm. From here to here is a Delta. But are you making, when you're checking your email for the, you know, how much marginal distance are you creating when you're checking that email for the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th time that day? Nine, yeah. you're doing no work. You can't. Yes. And yet you can burn yourself out with all the force. It's like you, like, you can't increase the force such a strong amount that it makes up for a zero delta. Right. Still zero. It's still zero. You're exhausted and you've done no work. Exactly. That's exactly it. That is completely fascinating. Oh. 
<laughs> that is completely fascinating. So when you talk to people about doing this, talk to me about this idea that just, you know, hey, Dr. P, I, things just take time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Um, so just generally, we just have to accept that there's a few phrases that we use that are just outdated. Like I was thinking, you know, back on the wagon, like we say that all the time and it's just this sentence that we say that like doesn't mean anything now. And I think the same is true when we say like, I just don't have the time. What is underneath that time? What are we choosing to make time for? We, we make out as though like time happens to us. And so the three steps, there's three steps to time hacking. And I'll briefly talk about them now because underneath the time, one of these three things isn't happening how it should. And the first is really managing our mindset and managing our brain, which really comes down to like our thoughts. So our thoughts about us, our thoughts about the task at hand, our thoughts about time, uh, like, and our thoughts about the other stakeholders. Right. Like think if everyone to listen, like think about how you show up differently when you feel like, oh, I can definitely do this and it's going to be fun. And I love working with these people. Like that makes a difference. Suddenly there's time. OK. And then the second one, the second step is how we make decisions and implement them. Right. Like we don't uh, remember our primitive brains don't always want to make decisions. They're like, I don't know, we can make a decision or we could not make a decision. And if we, as long as we don't make the decision, we don't have to do anything, right? That's like starting. Um, and again, it can come up, a lot of people will say like, I'm just indecisive or I'm not a good decision maker. Or like, it comes down to the first point as well. So they're all connected. Step one, what we think about ourselves. Step two, how quickly we make decisions. And step three, how we face fear and failure. And um, it's like everything that we do, we are going to mess up along the way, but our brains are primed to ignore, or I should say avoid fear and failure. So as long as we don't decide, we don't fail, right? So they're also connected. Um, when really we wanna be failing forward, um, it's just the fastest way to move. It's kind of like, so for your, for your people, like they're making a decision about something and then testing it and then seeing that that flavor doesn't work or whatever it might be is going to be the faster way than like sitting with a pen and paper and keep continuing to write out the potential formula and then changing it and continuing to write out the potential formula and changing it. Like, I think it was Aristotle that said like, we learn by doing. And as long as we are not deciding, we are not doing. As long as we are not failing, we are not like literally hacking. So underneath it, I would say to that person, what's going on underneath that? Is it you don't think you're capable or you don't think the job is fun or is it your thoughts about that? Is it your, like, you're not, where are you not making decisions? Because the decisions, every decision you make makes it easier for you to take that next step. So you want to be making all the decisions. Or is it like a fear of failure or fear of what could go wrong here? And underneath the time story is one of those three buckets. I feel like with a lot of my clients, because I get a lot of people who come to me and they're like, oh my God, they're going to shut the doors on me, Dr. P. Like, I'm going to lose everything. And they have become so frozen because something has gone wrong, you yes. know, 
and and things go things go wrong. We don't yes. meet our critical control points. We don't cook something long enough. We get, yes. you know, we're like we were talking about. We're in the middle of this big old mushroom recall. Yes. Like nobody does this stuff on purpose, yes. right? And 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 we will. You do things enough times, you're gonna fail at it, uh, right? But then people they freeze, uh, and that's when they get in trouble. Uh, that's when they get in trouble because they're so afraid to do the wrong thing in correcting a failure, they do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that drops it all the way back to like that self-esteem issue. Mm -hmm. Because what I, what I tell my people is, is that you don't rise to the level of your goals. You don't rise to the level of your dreams. You fall to the level of your self-esteem. Yes. Because it's your self-esteem that sets your systems. Yes. And I think that's completely true. And it's when you fail and like you have that choice to, which we don't, we're not always aware of, right? Especially if we've got a habit of freezing in our past, but that's where you have that choice of I'm either going to learn and have my back through this or I'm going to, to, to freeze and judge and spin out and this shouldn't have happened. Like once something has happened, it has happened. Arguing with it, judging yourself, like your brain is always gonna give you that option because once you've failed, and I say that with inverted you know, fingers, you guys can't see because it's a podcast. <laughs> um, once you've failed, your brain is like, it's literally your primitive brain is on high alert of potential danger it's like we are not letting this happen again we need to abort the whole situation this is not okay and you just get to like we forget that even in that moment even with our brain wanting part of our brain wanting all of that you still have choice you're still like the ceo of yourself like your brain is a tool for you it's not the boss of you it doesn't matter how loud it speaks like that's yeah so I think you said something in that, and I wonder if this is a time thought. I, like, I can't believe this is happening again. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of my clients, uh, you know, oh my God, it's happening again. This especially happens with employees, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody like everywhere um, is having trouble getting people to work with food, right? Mm -hmm. Historically underpaid, lousy working hours, challenging working conditions. It's especially if you're like what we call the front of the house in a restaurant, you know, forward facing some challenging customers right now, uh, you know, and there, I, I swear to God, every time somebody comes to me with a problem and it doesn't even have to be to the level of a recall, it's, you know, somebody's calling in late, somebody is, you know, calling in sick or whatever um, for the, you know, Dr. P, they're doing it again. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that even to me sounds like, you know, like there's almost always a time flavor to that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that sounds to me like one of the sentences people say that gets them into this, I have no time spin. We don't have time for people to call out. Mm -hmm. I hear that all of the time. We don't have time for this. Yeah. So what's really underneath that? When someone's saying like, we don't have time for this, what's underneath it? Is it the, the decisions that you've made? 
Right. How have you been making decisions for human error? And if not, why not? Was that right, because, because we know we're going to have error. I have a whole program about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we document the error. We figure out the root cause and we like do our level best to make new and more interesting mistakes next time. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like, you know, our brain is so short-term focused in terms of short-term pleasure, but it can also be like short-term like avoidant. Like I'm going to just, this thing might happen at some point in the future, but I'm not going to account for it now because then I might like make it happen or, you know, it's going it's to be uncomfortable to confront that now versus actually like these are the decisions that are going to be in place for this scenario. So when it happens, it's not a, I like, it's not a, oh, now I don't know what to do. And that whole self-concept um, piece that we spoke about, it's like, I know exactly what to do and I get to feel in control and powerful and capable, even when someone doesn't show up for work. Like, yeah, I've got this versus I need everyone to do everything right because I don't have this. Right. And I think that, you know, so then I guess my next question is, or what are, you know, what are helpful ways to go from, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so out of control. I have no time to, I've got this. So what are some of the, like, you know, we call them in coaching world, we call them bridging thoughts. People have heard that from me before. Like I have, like, I have the one that I say, and I'm developing the capability to, do whatever, because then all of a sudden that for me puts me in like beginner energy. Yeah. But what are some of the, like, what are some of the ways that you get, you get people from, I have no time to, I've got this. Um, yeah. So I think when you are in like an, I have no time, it's kind of like the time to stop everything. Stop. Everything needs to stop. Like you can't do and make decisions and run around from that place. And when we do, then we end up more tired, more exhausted, more uh, failing, digging that hole, so to speak. And it can literally be, I teach my clients like, things don't take time, right? It can literally be 30 seconds of like sitting where you are and just pulling your brain out of like reactive primitive mode into like, like one of the things could be counting your toes. Just like, okay, how many toes do I have? Like it, some people could use breathing. I like the toes thing because it gives my brain something to focus on. Um, mm -hmm. And just literally like giving yourself like a 30 second or one minute, like redirection away from the spin instead of like, I don't have time to like, I do have time. Um, and then what you want to break down is like, again, it's not about the time, what needs to be done? Like mm -hmm. actually what needs to be done? Because so often we're in the like, I don't have time story without like, okay, there are seven things that need to happen. And so we stay in the story in the drama instead of actually breaking it down. And from there, it's like, is it possible that I could do this? Do I know how to get this done? Like, it, could, this, could this be done today? Who, could I, who can I bring in to help me? Like, it's really like pulling in those powerful questions. And, and can you see what's happened there is we didn't make the I don't have enough time story about us. The I don't have enough time, we can't. And then we got to keep our self-concepts of like, I'm the boss, I'm the CEO, I'm in control, I can get this done. And so sometimes the bridge thought to like, I have plenty of time is actually like a self-concept thought of like, I know the next step. Right. And sometimes it's only, all you need to know is the next step. 
it's exactly like with the toe thing that I spoke about. It's like, it's like distracting your brain away from the drama that it wants to be in. Our brains love a bit of drama. It's like, this is what's going on over here. Let's pay more attention into like that one next step. And it's like, you know, that one next step is going to lead to the next one and the next one and the next one. And as you are going, there's not just a, a, a true cost formula, there's also a true benefit formula, right? What's the total benefit of you taking that step of even writing that list of like, okay, what is, I'm just going to think about that. what needs to happen. What do I already know needs to happen? Even if I don't know everything, what is one thing that I know that needs to happen? The benefit to that is not just writing the one thing that needs to happen. It's starting to build that self-esteem muscle like you spoke about. That's super interesting. And then I have to tell you the other thing that I, um, that I was thinking about when you're talking about the counting your toes thing, it is very hard to take yourself too seriously when you're like counting your own toes. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. Like, and I just think that like almost in my head, it like just interjects a level of, okay, like not everything is life or death, right? And yeah. even like, if you're in the middle of like a huge Listeria recall, the truth of the matter is, is that if somebody's gotten sick, they've already gotten sick. Yeah. You know, most recalls don't involve people dying. You know, mm -hmm. most things are not, we are not, you know, as somebody who used to do surgery, yeah, nobody's bleeding out on a table right now. Right. You know, we have time and hell, even in surgery, you have time. I mean, the thing that they tell us when, when, you know, when, when you have an animal open is they're like, guys, all bleeding stops eventually. You're either going to stop it or the animal's going to stop it. Yes. Because if you're doing something that's very high stakes, right, it doesn't do you any good to freak out. Right. What happens when we freak out? We just blank out. Yeah. Like, it's not the optimal. It's not the the mindset or the headspace we're going to be in when we're making our best decisions following through on them, thinking clearly, having our own back, like all of these things are gone. All of those super skills that actually are like what are going to move you forward and what create those results when we remove time, like those are the things we wanna be nurturing, those three steps. Right, and it's almost like the actual hack is that small marginal piece of time that gets you from freaking out to, okay, I know the next best thing. Hmm? Yes, because, and, and we tend to miss this because we think things take time. So we think we don't have time to pause because it's going to take time to pause. So if our mindset is already there, it's like, well, I don't have time to stop because in our head, stopping is like a three hour break or whatever. Like we don't know how long it's gonna be versus like, I'm giving myself 30 seconds. I can give myself another 30 seconds and another one after that. And then it's probably gonna be enough. Right. No, that's super awesome. Okay, this has been absolutely amazing. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you. Tell us about all the things um, about where you are in case they want more information. Mm. Perfect. So you can find me, my podcast, Fuck Anxiety and Get Shit Done. You can find my website, vickilouise.com. It's V-I-K-K-I. Um, and if you want to find out about Time Hackers, it's vickilouise.com forward slash group. And Instagram at Vicky Louise underscore underscore underscore. Cool beans. This has been absolutely amazing. 
I am so grateful that you came in and talked about time. And I think it's, you know, we just finished this leadership series and this, I really think ties it up with a bow and I couldn't be, I couldn't be more thrilled that you decided to spend your time with us. Thank you so much for having me. So Thank fun. you.